Right then, here we go. Episode four of the England One Cap podcast. Who'd have thought we'd make it this far? Well, we did, because we knew we were on something good. Uh, last week, Matt Jarvis thought it went very well. Um, but now we're looking at a different player and a whole new angle for us. We're looking at a whole different sport within football, I think. But before we introduce him, we'll introduce us. My name's Robert Prendergast, and your name is... Callum Shaw. Are you uh, excited for this episode, Callum? I'm really excited for this one um, for a number of reasons. Um, Because I just didn't realise how interesting this guy was, to be honest. Um, And yeah, bit of a bit of an unlucky career, really. Um, Very very much so, yeah. And yeah, got a yeah, got a few uh, a nice little personal story as well. Uh, with this one, um, which I'm excited to tell everyone. Um, well, I, for one, am excited to hear it as well. Yeah, but we'll go into that later. Just, just, just tickling the balls for now. Just tickling for now. I mean, delaying it as long as I can just to see if John Flanagan fucking replies to my messages. But, you know, <laughs> so far nothing. You know, he's quiet. I, I would say he's scared because, you know, of course he's heard of us, you know? Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, cool. I can only imagine he's um, scared about the uh, the fight. But hey, I want to talk about it every week until John Flanagan is either in my DMs or in my boxing rig. He, he's he's gonna have to reply at some point. He he's gonna have to. It's his it's in his dignity, his integrity is on the line here. This is so. he, he's ever played in Denmark. This is his last chance for a football career. He's gonna have to make the switch if this doesn't work out. Exactly. Um, right, let's not fanny about anymore. Let's get straight into the player we're talking about. Um, put it off for as long as we can, but the goalkeepers' union, they've been on the phone, they've been complaining, they've not <laughs> talked about a goalkeeper. So that's why this week we are talking about Chris Kirkland. What a Chrissy. What a what a what a staple of English football for our for our childhood, don't you think? He was always about. Yeah. It yeah, it really is. And on a personal note as well. Great middle name. His middle name is Edmund, which... Chris Edmund Kirkland. Yes. Yeah. Well, when I read it, I just thought it was Edward. I, do- I double had a double take. <laughs> I was like, oh, not, not heard that one before. Uh, no. So it's an interesting one. Yeah, I think he's probably top of the leaderboard in the formal England one cap middle names. It's, it's between him and Roy for uh, Stephen Cork. I still love that. Stephen Roy <laughs> Cork. <laughs> Um, should we go to the start for uh, for Chris? Commentary City. Yeah, let's uh, give her all the gun commentary, yeah. Um, weird one. That dribble commentary, commentary were good? No, not, not, not really for me. Well, if, if, if it wasn't for Premier League years, I would have no idea that commentary yeah. were ever good. Um, but yeah, commentary. Um, I, I didn't actually realise he played in the Premier League for them, to be honest. Um, yeah, 24 games. Yeah. Maybe less. They got relegated and he stayed for a little bit, I think, so it might not be 24. I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know if you saw this. There's a great, great quote by Gordon Strachan about Chris Kirkland. I'm going to say. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, go on, say it. <laughs> yeah, I'll result to my notes for this one because I don't want to get it wrong. Big Bambi who couldn't kick the ball out of the penalty box. Yeah. But but apparently you loved him. Apparently that was out of love. Yeah. That that comment. Yeah. 
Uh, Gordon Strachan. Well, why do I why do I dislike Gordon Strachan? I don't know. Is it because he was Scotland manager? I don't know. It's just something deep down, which is maybe maybe because he's just Scottish. Full stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's not shy away from racism on this, yo. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we'll have we'll have anyone on this podcast, but Scottish when it comes to yeah, yeah, yeah. Gordon Strachan is his son played for him. That's that's what I don't like. His son was in that um commentary squad. Um, Nepotism. Wow. It's so Sunday league, that, isn't it? It is, isn't Man- it? Managers couldn't get in games. And it's... I kind, of, I kind of think it's funny when the, the manager's son is in the squad, but he still doesn't get in the team. It's like... Yeah. Even he's admitting you're not good enough for the team, but, like, he's kind of... He, he knows he knows deep down, doesn't he? When, when he's not getting in the start at 11, he knows deep down. Yeah, yeah. You heard Roy Keane talk about the Fergusons in uh, yeah. Man United. <laughs> Oh, okay. say, I was surprised his wife doesn't work here. I'm surprised his wife is on the books as well. Um, but yeah, Coventry. Um, I was actually surprised he didn't play that many games for him, considering his next transfer. But he, he was there yeah. for um, two seasons, two and a half, two and a bit. A uh, couple in the Prem and then went to the old first division. Uh, for younger audience members, that kind of means the championship. Um, <laughs> before... He got the big move and became the most expensive British goalkeeper in the world. Not anymore yes. at the time. And he moved to Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool for, I don't know, eight million? I think it was eight million. Yeah, it definitely um, was rising to eight million with add-ons. Um, it's, it's, it was it's a lot of money for a, you know, what was it, 20-year-old goalkeeper at the time, something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, what can you say? Most expensive British goalkeeper at that point, so says it all, doesn't it? Really, does a bit, really, yeah. And it's so weird, like, because he was never intended to be their main, their main keeper by the looks of it. They never bought him and thought he was going to be their number one, unless it was for the future. But yeah, it's one of those. Got obviously that jersey Dudek at the time. It was number one. Um, so yeah, it, it probably just one for the future. You know, playing League Cup games. Yeah. Oddly, oddly, game here and there. I think it was just one of those. But Jersey did like a proper inconsistent keeper, though, and he. So I'm, oh, I'm sure such, they were just such a weird him. one. Like throughout throughout Dudek's career, there's just spells of like he didn't play at all because of like all the mistakes that he'd made <laughs> in previous games, and then all of a sudden he just come back and play another full half a season. Yeah. Um. um is it? Obviously, when you say Jersey Dudek, Jersey Dudek, I think of the 05 Champions League final. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he played amazing. He played amazing. I'm like, well, conceded, conceded three, didn't he? So, did he play He conceded three. I mean, it wasn't, I think it was um, extra time where he made like two or three really, and then obviously penalties. Um, giving it giving it all in the penalties, wouldn't he? Doing yeah. jumping starfish thing. Fucking miles off his line as well for <laughs> each penalty. <laughs> he's, he's still walking back to his line now. That's how far out he was. <laughs> But yeah, good old Chris got himself a uh, big transfer to Liverpool. Um, obviously, he's a one cap. Got called up to the England squad quite a few times, I think. As he did, yeah, um, the third keeper. Yeah, I think he was consistently in the squad from like 2003 onwards, but mm. didn't get his yeah. cap until like three years later. Yeah, because um, he'd been under 21s for a bit, wasn't he? I think he had like eight, nine yeah. games for them. Eight caps, yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose it's not 
uncommon for a goalkeeper to get called up to the squad for quite a few years before they actually get a game. Maybe less so now because there's a bit more rotation about it. Um, but in the in the Sven era, um, there must have been quite a few goalkeepers getting called up who just wouldn't get a kick. Yeah. Because mainly David James, wasn't it? And, and Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. James, Robert, until he um, yeah. made that error. We had we had mediocre keepers on tap back then, didn't we? Across the- yeah, we did. We really did. Because um, even David James, great keeper, but even at that point, he was probably coming past his best. You would say. Um, he, he's, yeah, David James has passed his best and then played for another thirteen years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did. Bless so him. poor. Um, I try and I try and do this. I love. Obviously, I like naming England one cap. That's my thing. But I sometimes try and think of footballers who've been in the England squad, but they never played for England. And a lot of them are goalkeepers because they just get called up all the time. And then as the third goalkeeper, Ramsdale, if you like, for the uh, for the World yeah. Cup. Um, but I can name a few. Bettinelli, Jimmy Bullard. That's, uh, that, that's a spin. That's a spin-off series, isn't it? It so, is, isn't it? I've given, I've, I've given away the goods there. I've set up someone's yeah. own podcast there. Um, yeah. But uh, the man did finally get his England call up. Um, I, I think he just left. He just left Liverpool at that point. I think so. I think, yeah, that summer um, he signed for Wigan. I he went... He went on loan to Wigan and then went permanently. Yeah. I think the England call-up was between the loan spell and the then permanent right. transfer. Right, yeah, that makes sense. I don't really know. Oh, before we go into that, Champions League winner. Technically. Yeah, well... <clears throat> technically. Because um, he actually did play three or four games in that campaign. Yeah, early doors games. Yeah, and it's weird because obviously, as you mentioned now, Chris Kirkwood had a lot of injury problems and it probably started mainly at Liverpool. Yeah. Because um, like, he got into the first team finally, then got injury. And then like he'd get another chance, he'd get injury. So that season, the Champions League season, he he started most of their league games at the start of the season and then got an injury and missed the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so Scott Carson took his, kind of took his place Um and Scott Carson tried to give his winner's medal to Chris Kirkland. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, but being the being the gracious man he is, he obviously refused. Okay. So. <laughs> he, humble. That, that's a word for Chris humble. Kirkland. Humble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, respect for him. I wonder if I wonder if Carson. I wonder how genuine the offer was. It was like, oh, you you sure you don't want <laughs> mine? Oh, okay, okay, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder how hard he tried to offer him this medal. Yeah, might probably not very hard. I imagine they were probably like roommates or something. Probably lights off at bed, like Chris. Yeah, <laughs> 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 if you really want, he's like, no, mate, honestly, at night. <laughs> yeah, but hey, if, if, if there's a podcast to slander Scott Carson, it's not, it's not this one. Trust me, really. not now, not now, not ever. Um. So yeah, then we fast forward a year. August 2006, England, uh, his England appearance, came on off the bench uh, against Greece when England were already 4-0 up. So, <laughs> he couldn't do anything wrong, really. 
Um, and then the game finished 4 0. Um, but to be, to be fair, though, Greece, Greece came out a bit for the second half. Greece had, um, yeah. had a lot going on. And Ashley Cole made two goal line clearances. Not sure if Chris could have been there, but I won't hold it against him. But and he did make, did make one great save. So he definitely, um, yeah, yeah, saw that. Did more than Matt like, Jarvis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a clean sheet for him, but it's just so, like, as a goalkeeper, when you get your England cap, your England one cap, you expect it to be 90 minutes. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> and Chris agree. Kirkland with all these injuries and the bad luck, and then his England one cap, it's only 45 minutes as a goalkeeper. It's just so good in that. I mean, you look, you look at all the players who have one cap for England, and it's like it's like different categories of players. You kind of got like like the flavour of the month striker who scored, you know, yeah. three out of five one month, and there's injuries, loads of those. <laughs> and there's always the and there's a lot of keepers who um maybe just came on the second half of a friendly or a or a yeah. qualifier we've already qualified for something like that, um, and and. Uh, Humble Chris comes under that uh, that category. Just comes on at half time against Greece, um, and just secures what we already had. Friendly as well. What can you why say? are we this... Why are we playing friendly? I've got. I just I I really my whole life I've always defended England for playing these friendlies. And I'm like, yeah, well, we're learning how the team works. It gets together. Steve McLaren's first game, I get it, maybe. But I don't know. You come on for England and you keep a clean sheet, fine, it's 45 minutes and you don't get another call-up. You're, admit- you're, you're then admitting that that game doesn't mean anything, I feel yeah, like. I've got, I've got such an agenda against friendlies in recent years, mainly just because I was sick of watching England friendlies now. And like, it's just, it's used, you know, to get players on that wouldn't usually get a game in a European qualifier or a big tournament. And especially when it's players that you don't want them to go and play for another country. So you give them like yeah. 20 minutes or not. Southgate is the that king is, of that. He loves it, doesn't he? He absolutely loves it. Um, still not done it for Patrick Bamford though. So I hope, I hope Paddy goes to Ireland. I really do. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we'll never play him in a major tournament, so he can go where the fuck he wants. So exactly, exactly. Um, it's like, and I, and I try. I on this podcast, I try not to spoil future one caps, but I am going to spoil this one. Lewis Dunk, right? I've always, <laughs> I've always said I like Lewis Dunk. I like him as a defender. I've always thought he's good. Got an England call up. It's USA. November eighteen. November, yeah, November eighteen. I think. You, you were there? Yeah, I was there at that game. Yeah. Um, plays 90 minutes. Let's be honest, this game was a glorified testimonial for Wayne Rooney. But he plays 90 minutes and keeps a clean sheet. And it's like, great, well, what more could you do? And he never gets in another England squad despite having the same level of form for his club. Arguably, maybe even better for his club after that. So what are we saying? That, that friendly meant nothing. We're just admitting that I paid 30 quid to watch Wayne Rooney, which I'm happy with. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I'm just... It, and then you look at friendlies like this and it's like, why? I've, I've spent so long defending these friendlies and now I feel like an absolute mug that they've been, they're admitting they don't mean anything. You know? I know. I d- you know what? 
I still watch some, but there is, I'll admit, there is some England friendlies I just haven't watched at all in the last two or three years. And shame, shame me to say that on the England Uncap podcast, but it's true because if they don't care, why should I? So, yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think before I came to uni four years ago, I think I would have claimed I've seen every England game for the last 10 years. And then I was just <laughs> like, oh, I can't be bothered to watch them. No. Nah. Anyway, that was a nice sidetrack. Back on uh, back on Chris Kirkland. Um, so yeah, a very strong strong debut uh, against Greece, the uh, at the time European champions. Yeah. Um, played against. Oh, I'm going to go on another side track. Played against Stelios Janakopoulos. Do you remember him? Used yeah. to play for Bolton. There's a running yeah, joke in my. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a running joke in my family, at my expense that. Right. Yo Yeovil, where I grew up and where I supported, and Bolton, my dad's team, and I follow them as well, and my brother follows them, played each other in like 04 or something. And I was standing at the front near the Jolly Green Giant, the, the, the terrifying mascot we have. And I swear to God, right, Stelios has just randomly kicked a ball from warming up training he's kicked a ball and it's hit me in the face right <laughs> i swear on my life this happened i absolutely swear because i remember there were kids around me laughing because it happened just like random kids and i was just like horrified and i was only like seven these balls were harder when you're seven right in the face and i was just like ah! run up, run up to the back to the seat crying to mum and dad i like i don't know like Eight years later, I bring it up and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like the time Stelios kicked, kicked uh, the ball in my face. And it's like, what? Like, when did that happen? And I'm like, you just, you just made that up. Why have you made that up? And I'm like, it happens. It happens. And so now, oh. whenever I say anything, they're like, oh, yeah, is that like the time Stelios kicked the ball in your face? Um, so that's why I'm happy he lost 4 0. You big Greek bastard. Yeah, fuck off, Stelios. If I meet you one day, I'll bring it up. You got to remember because apparently I made it up. But well, I think it's great either way if it is true or if it is made up. Um, but the thought of the thought of you standing there looking at Stelios and then hopefully just creating a scenario in your head, much <laughs> like daydreaming. Though, <laughs> oh yeah. Either way, it's a great story. Oh, thank you. Right back. Sorry, Chris. This is your time. Forget, forget the Greeks. Um... <laughs> So this is when he's had his England call up um, and now he's playing for Wigan where um probably had the best spell of his career, didn't he? Most regular yeah, football. When... So. Though, such a such a nice little side, that Wigan team. Um, I, don't, I think it's when I started playing FIFA. The first FIFA I really played properly was when they'd just come up to the Prem. Uh, so it must have been FIFA 06. And I love playing as that Wigan team because they're newly promoted. They had, they had Heskey um Kirkland, you know, a few of us. Um Bullock. Charles Enzobia. Um, Enzobia, yeah. Just a nice little cult team for me. Like, yeah, I really like that team. Um yeah. Did did well at Wigan. Did Chris? Big bang. Yeah, very well. Um played in um the greatest game ever played. Do you remember when um Wigan Blackburn when it was five three to Wigan? Five three, and he he saved that penalty. He saved Benny McCarthy's penalty. Yeah, 
bottom left post. Um, two hat tricks on both sides: Marcus Ben and Roque Santa Cruz. Icons everywhere, absolutely everywhere. I said it last week, didn't I, about Blackburn? How like I keep seeing on social media about that that squad being like a cult squad, squad now. Yeah. Uh, Roque, the kids nowadays they don't know, they don't know, they don't know. how saucy Roque Santa Cruz was. <laughs> But yeah, that was a that was a a great great game. Um, then he, he was there when Roberto Martinez came in. Yes, um, yeah, he was. Um, all the all the managers at Wigan. You had Steve Bruce, Paul Jewell, um, Bobby <laughs> Martinez. They all absolutely loved him. Imagine those um, three in a night out together. Imagine I swear, Steve Bruce and Paul Joe. I bet they can put some pints away between them. And Paul Joe gets himself in some ropey situations, though. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he does. Um, yeah, one's just come to mind, which is very funny. <laughs> Can't say it on here. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it. Not saying it. But yeah, all of the, all of the managers really speak highly of him as a as a as a player and as a professional. Um, yeah. He said one thing about Roberto Martinez, which seems like the most unlikely thing Martinez would have said. Apparently, when he came in, he's like, who's got kids? The players. And the few of them put their hands up. But Martinez is like, yeah, you should really wait till your career's finished before you have kids. And sort of left. And everyone's just like, fuck. Yeah, apparently. But then they said after that, he knew all their kids by name and that. So it just seems like a really weird uh, comment. Um, Yeah, just that. Probably just have to throw that bit of advice in there, maybe. Get off his yeah. get off his chest. Yeah, get 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 abortion <laughs> for your four year old son. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, and this obviously will be relevant later on in the podcast. Chris Kirkland, a man with lots of mental health issues during his career. Um yeah. who always put his family first. Let's be honest. He was he, and that's um someone he always worried about playing football. Not a very nice comment, is it, for someone with anyone, especially someone in that situation. I feel. Yeah. Shame on you, Roberto. Yeah. So says so you're right of a squandering that great Belgian squad. <laughs> um but yeah, man, played so well we got eventually got dropped for uh uh Habsi. Yeah. Yeah. Al Habsi. Why do I confuse Al Habsi and Brad Guzan? But <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're just average forward prem goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, that Al he's there's so many so many cult heroes we're getting mentioned today. Ali Al Habzi. Al Habzi was good. Used to be at Bolton, but never got a look really because of Yasko Island. But Al Habzi, decent yeah. now. Um, took um, took Kirkland's place when he conceded four against Blackpool on the opening of the day of the season. Quite perhaps understandable. Yeah. And then. Um, yeah. Um, That's when they started loaning him out to Leicester and Doncaster. But he, his, head, his head was not in a good place by this point, and he, he's admitted this. His love for football was yeah. um, <clears throat> fading away. Um, more interested in... Uh, he didn't like being away from his family for so long, which is something we touched on in the Stephen Corker episode. Corker having to go to Turkey to continue playing and see his son for the best part of a year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, we know 
uh, now that Chris was struggling with depression. Um, I think looking back, I mean, he'd probably made himself that he probably potentially should have just taken a break from football. Mm. Um, but I suppose, you know, you, once you're in football, it's, it's very hard to take yourself out, you know, especially when you've you got to keep earning money, you know, if you're family and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, he went on loan to Doncaster. He only played one game. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was against Leeds, actually. Um, <laughs> he didn't play very well. Yeah, we beat him 3-1. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't very good. Um, but yeah. He got injured, though, didn't he? Is that where he went back? Or yeah, yeah he, had, he, had, he had these constant... He had these constant back spasms throughout yeah. his career. Um, I think three different loan spells, he had to like go back to his parent club because of these back spasms. Yeah. Um, I, um, he said when he had some mental health issues, they said, and so he said he should have taken a break. I say that I think perhaps that's easier said than done, for, especially for that kind of like era of football. Because you know, I agree, don't yeah. get an inch if you mention mental health issues. Then and he said when he did, yeah. the official reason stated was like oh his wife was having troubles and he had to go home. They couldn't say he had the troubles because that wasn't that wasn't in the rules. It's just so, right, so I wonder if um I wonder if the obviously he had a lot of injuries, definitely, but I wonder if some of the injuries were not really injuries, they just said injuries. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. Um the situations. But either way, um shit, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Crap, absolute crap. But well, hopefully it gets better. That whole uh, situation, people being more open about it, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I think it is, man. I mean, we've we, we've touched it in all episodes. Like, yeah, I, I keep thinking about this Matt Jarvis thing I said about him being on the in the game magazine, and I've only found out like ten years later. I'm like, that's yeah, stuff. People like that are influential, and we're better now. We've got like Marcus Rashford and I don't know other people. Henderson's pretty good and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yes, anyway, so then after his loan spells, go to Sheffield Wednesday. Which, uh, he did. Where he was, um, pitted again. Dave Jones, is that the manager? I've written Dave Jones. Yeah, Dave Jones, yeah. Not the guy from The Appren- um, Apprentice, um, Dragon's Den. No, not not that one. The, um, the Scouse one. I think, I think he was a Scouse today, Dave Jones, I'm pretty sure. He said... Neck of the woods. <laughs> speaking of boxing matches, he said, whoever is the better season between Chris Kirkland and Stephen Bywater will be our first team goalkeeper. And you know Bywater is proper up for a scrap to prove his place in the team. 100%. So, we mentioned this... Um, behind the scenes here on the England Cup podcast, but apparently Bywater is an absolute live wire. <laughs> about, proper, proper um, about 15 minutes before we started recording, I was like, I'll see if I can get a little Bywater story. Google him. <laughs> First headline I see is Stephen Bywater brandishes a sword at a delivery man. And I'm just like, I can't go down this wormhole now. <laughs> it's too deep. I will, I will never get out of this. Oh, God. Oh, that's one for a lonely night. Stephen Bywater's yeah. life and history. <laughs> well, next time I can't sleep at night, I'm going 
diving right in, Stephen Bywater, <laughs> getting every every little bit I can. Um, it all out. Do you have a little story to tell us about his Sheffield Wednesday days? <clears throat> yeah. So Chris Kirkland at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, everyone, well, it's, it's potentially Chris Kirkland, one of his most famous moments of his career, potentially. Um, so, yeah, it was a cold and wet night in October, I believe. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday v Leeds at Hillsborough. And this game, very famous for Chris Kirkland getting punched, well, pushed in the face um, by a Leeds fan, um, Aaron Crawley, Aaron Crawley, something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, his name. Um, Mate of yours, is he? <laughs> yeah, we go way back. Mate. We <laughs> talk about punching goalkeepers in the face <laughs> and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I always remember that. It's one of my first Leeds away games. I kind of only started going away games that year. And there's stigma around like Leeds games, like all oh, the fighting. But that was like, I've not, I'd never seen that. Like, it was all back in the day. Like, I hadn't seen any trouble at Leeds games, really. And uh, so this one was normal affair. And then we go 1 0 down. Um, small group of Sheffield Wednesday fans start a Galatasaray chant. Um, which, you know, two Leeds fans got stabbed in Galatasaray. People didn't know that. And I was, you know, I, I knew about it, but I didn't really hear what they were singing. But all of a sudden, all kicks off, you know, people are ripping chairs out, chucking them. There's like bottles. Group of Leeds fans like congregated at the front trying to get at these Sheffield Wednesday. It is absolute chaos. And I could, could tell my dad was a bit like, well, I didn't really want me to see it, but like, what can you do at the game? So it's all kicking off. Next thing you know, Michael Tom, former Sheffield United player as well, which made it even better, um, scores this absolute screamer. We absolutely erupt. And it was mental because didn't see what was going on the pitch. We're celebrating. Look back, Chris Kirkland's on the deck. And, you know, I remember my dad being like, oh, Kirkland, we hadn't seen what had happened. We, just, we thought he'd, like, gone down with an arm injury when he, like, landed trying to save it or something. Oh, okay. I didn't know until we got back into the car that he'd been a Leeds fan and ran on and punched him. In the wow. And I'll never forget my mum ringing me because there was a lot of trouble. My mum's a bit worried. She's like, you're right. And I'm there like kind of all happy. John, like, oh yeah, it was great. Like, you know, and she was like, no, no, it's was, it was bad. Like, you you know, shouldn't be happy. Shouldn't be like laughing and stuff like that. I, Cause I didn't know what happened. And my mum <laughs> told me, I looked at her, I was like, oh, oh God. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a night I'll never forget. It's one of my favourite away days. And, um, yeah, great drive. It still gets showed every year now, that clip on social media. Yeah. Um, when the day comes around. Um, but, yeah, crazy. Still can't believe it happened. Still cannot believe it happened. That's mad, mate. Um, you, are you more sympathetic than a lot of Leeds fans who claiming that Kirkland milked it? I mean, <laughs> it wasn't a full-out punch in the face. And I'm not saying it should have happened, but it was like a push in the face. But, like, obviously I'm still sympathetic because, like, no football player should be put in harm's way by a fan, you know. Um, that's just basic morals. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was a bit of banter between Kirkland and Leeds fans after that. If you ever played him, you know, we'd kind of, him and jeer him a bit but I think he used to love it he used to he used to give it a bit back um and they used to beat us quite a lot 
after that as well. So I'm sure he enjoyed a couple of games against Leeds when he wasn't getting punched in the face. So. Yeah. Um, he did milk it, but <laughs> it's not like it's not like he's been fouled by another player and he's trying to get him sent off. It's like this is a he can't fight back because then he's banned. Yeah, that I think that's the thing. I, the wise thing probably was just for him to go down, stay down for a bit, you know, because for all he knows, you know, you don't know how many more fans are going to. Yeah, true. Because there was more fans on, the, we had more fans on the pitch, but they were kind of trying to get at the Chef Wednesday fans. Mm. And then it's just this one guy who comes around and uh, punches Chris in the face, bless him. But... Maybe, maybe when you stay down to get someone sent off, maybe he was thinking, the longer I stay down, the longer this prick's going to prison. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's proper grim. I've only seen that like twice, really. That and the Greedish one. Um, oh, yeah, this one, bloody hell, yeah. That was worse. That, that's, that's, that's back of the head, isn't it? Right on the back oh, of that the was head, worse. That was definitely worse. Yes, well, who's laughing now? £100 million player? There we go. Um, so, yeah, he finishes up at uh, Chef Wed. How long was he there for? Yeah, if you there, what, three years? Uh, I think he made like, yeah, I think he made like 85 appearances. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was very respectful for him, but he's he um he wanted to stay at Wigan. Yeah, I think he really wanted to stay at Wigan because that was closer to his family, um, and he was he was a I think he had a gentleman's agreement to go just have another contract, but I mean, for Gary Kane, gentleman gentlemen's agreements don't always go to plan. That's so, um, what, what, what the what the agreements mean these days, really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you can't say gentleman's agreement anymore. You get ridiculed. You know, you just sound silly. You sound like you just sound bitter. Um, and then yeah, if if I was a if I was a player, I'd make sure things were down in writing. None of these verbal comments over, you know. In like a board meeting or whatever, yeah, get everything down in writing. That's that's my advice to professional footballers. <laughs> you heard it first. Um, then he goes to Preston, um, where he was never a first choice keeper, really. Um, but he, I think he preferred that. I think he likes yeah. being the second choice keeper. Um, yeah, I think I thought goalkeepers do get to a point, don't they, where they're just happy to kind of. Be part of a club, but just sit on the bench, fill mm. them where they can. Uh, which fair enough. Like if, if you've been in goal for ten plus years, probably even more. Sometimes you just want to earn your money, sit on the bench, have some banter. I can't decide whether being a second slash third choice keeper is the best job in football or the worst job in football. It might be the best. It's, it's definitely one or the other. It's definitely one or the other. Yeah, I for, think I, I, think I love both, it. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, I think I'd love it if I was, if I've already played a lot of first team football. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you're not Stephen Harper. No, no. Um, if I was over the age of 30, it'd just be great. Like, you go training, you know. I feel, I don't know. I've got this thing in my head where you can just like muck around a bit more. I know. <laughs> you're only being paid to be a character in the dressing room, effectively. Yeah. Yeah, it's like well, it's like Ben Foster at the minute. Like, 
absolutely laps it up. You know what I mean? He, could, he's, he seems like he's having like the most fun he's ever had in his career, being second yeah. choice at Watford. You professional YouTuber and part-time footballer at the minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you remember the, the two goalkeepers uh, in that season for Preston, who um, Kirkland was second to? Do you know them? Not a clue, mate. Oh, well, you're going to be very disappointed. First half of the season, Jordan Pickford on on loan oh. from um, uh, Sunderland. Nice. And it was great for them. It was very, very good at stopping goals going in the goal for them. <laughs> and when he left, uh, and I'm sure him, and, I'm sure Kirkland's and him bond over being England one cap goalkeepers. Sam Johnston was there second half oh, of the season. There we go. So yeah, he um, was in good company. Um, Sam Johnston came to Yeovil yeah. once. I ever told you that on loan. Did a, he did a he did a full yes. Chris Kirkland on loan one game, broke his finger, sent him back. <laughs> he goes. <laughs> yeah, we had one keeper play every minute the season before, and then we had like four or five keepers in the space of a month because it just kept all getting injured, uh, and he was one of those five, Sam Johnston. But yeah, in one cap now. Um, yeah, so that was just one season. Love you, yeah, love you, Sam. Hey, you, we'll, we'll get to you eventually, baby. Yeah, <laughs> t- fair. We're probably a bit hesitant to talk about Sam Johnson in case, uh, in case he breaks our hearts and yeah becomes a new cap. I know James Madison syndrome, as I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a very sad ending to his career, really. So he leaves Preston and goes to uh, Bury. But I think he did leave before the season even started, I think. Yeah, he, he didn't play a game. Um, yeah, he pretty, pretty much left straight away. Because, um, yeah, I think his his um, personal problems really taken over at that point. So, yeah, shame it ended like that because, yeah, he, I'm sure if he was in you know, better better frame of mind to love playing at all those clubs because it's obviously close to where he lives. Yeah. Um, I think it's always quite nice when you can tell a player lives in that part of the country and they just go around all the clubs like, you know, Preston, Berry, Oldham, etc. etc. Um so yeah, bit of a shame out to spend like that. But um we were yeah, at Yeovil. We signed a player. I'm like, which Bristol which which Bristol club has he come from or is it Exeter? <laughs> yeah. Um, um yeah, but I mean, you know, on the bright side, at least he got to avoid all that nonsense that was going on at Berry. So, yeah, true, very true. Um, but then he retired, and I think he got. Um, he seems to be in quite. Um, he seems to be quite happy now. You know, he seems to be really enjoying um, what he does and spends a lot more time yeah. with his family. And I think that says a lot about how toxic football is. Yeah, yeah, definitely can be. Um, yeah, it's weird because didn't hear from Chris Kirkland for a few years. I thought, I wonder what Chris Kirkland... But then last year or so, I've I've been watching or listening to radio or watching something on telly where he's popped up as a pundit or something. Um, um, which what's is nice he do? To see. What's he do? Is it talk sport? Or is it five live? He does something. <sighs> he does something. I can't remember which one it is. It might be talk sport, but I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, no, good to see he's back involved and... Uh, Feeling better doing his yeah. thing. Bit of coaching, bit of uh, did some goalkeeping coaching at Port Vale, then was a goalkeeper coach at Liverpool Women's, and yeah. then he's at C- 
Cone, C-O-L-N-E. Yeah. <clears throat> I was looking at this and I just didn't know how to pronounce that because um, it's like the, you know, the German team of similar name, Cologne. Yeah, Cologne, yeah. Yeah. That's it. For a second, because like there's there's like two or three different spellings of the German Cologne. Um, for a second, I thought it meant there. I was like, oh, but then I clicked on I was like, oh, no, there's some small club in the north of England. Moses whole career about being too far away from home and goes to be goalkeeper coach in Germany. No. Also, Liverpool women's, did you know he actually uh, took over as caretaker manager for a little bit? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a caretaker manager. Um, so, yeah, he could add that to his credentials. He was... um. Oh, my God, I can't believe you not mentioned this. Um, okay, well, I'll say this one thing. His daughter is in the Liverpool Academy at the minute as a keeper. Right. And back when Chris Kirkland was in the academy, when he was a young man, young boy, his dad's put on a bet for him to get to play for England. Yes. How yeah. we not mentioned this? I thought... I've, I thought yeah. Um, his dad put on £100 to play for England before the age of 30 at 100 to 1 and I won 10,000 pounds 100 to 1 not great odds really but yeah but yeah I suppose the thing is when you're a young English goalkeeper and you're coming through the ranks at a Premier League team I suppose you're gonna get an England call even if you don't play you're definitely gonna get in the squad at least chances are um because you know they always take three keepers, so yeah. Suppose, suppose keepers have a better chance than most when you're putting on those uh, early career bets. Yeah. I still think hundred to one is not a lot, but hey, um, I think quite a few members of the Kirkland family did it, <clears throat> all at William Hill. Yeah, and just uh, <laughs> massive, a massive payout for him. I, I, this is, um, I think it was one of the first things I remember about Chris Kirkland. I remember hearing that on the radio the day after the England Greece game. But, uh, oh really? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I uh, I didn't know that because I always always remember uh, Lewis Cook's dad doing it. Um, yes, yes. That's that's the one that I always remember with those uh, bets for them to play for England. Um, but yeah, well done to Chris Kirkland's dad. Yeah, well done, Chris Kirkland. Never never gave Chris any of the money, but yeah, <laughs> that was It should be all right. Um, yes, yeah, so I wonder if he's got a similar bet on his daughter. He's got it, did he? Yeah. Oh, I've got it. It's yeah, it's, it's unfair if he doesn't. Got a can't be any favoritism. Yeah, it looks like he's. If he doesn't put a bet on, he's basically saying to her, "You ain't gonna make it," you know. No. And that's no. That's not very fatherly. I heard him on a podcast say he's got a friend who's um. He put a bet on his son to score for Everton, before the age of twenty-three. He didn't reveal the player annoyingly. He said he put a bet on his son to score for Everton before the age of twenty-three, and got. I think he said 19,500 to 1 for these odds. And he's like, is it something good? He's like, yeah, he's in the Everton Academy right now. So wow. I'm, gonna, I'm hoping one day this story comes to light. And... I'm sure, well, it either will or it won't, because if he scores, we'll know all about it. Yeah. But if he doesn't, we'll never know. That was on Under the Cosh podcast, so check that out if you want to hear Belton, Belton podcast. Yeah. Second best football podcast going. Second, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've done a good job there of exploring the career of Chris Kirkland. Four players now, got a keeper in. Next, This time next week, we might have a little five-a-side team going. Yeah, yeah. Say, we've uh, 
Yeah, we've, we've ticked most of the boxes. A centre-half, goalie, winger, striker. Maybe, maybe we need a centre-mid. Maybe we need a centre-mid. Well, I well, can think of a few, but okay. we, have to, we have to come back another time to find out more. Yeah. Um, i tell you who we're not doing, though. John Flanagan. Where are you? you got to message me first, John, and then you can be on the podcast. Yeah. John Flanagan will be the very last person on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> even if, even after even if you have to talk about people in the early 1900s, John we'll, Flanagan as well. We'll be talking about two cats and three cats before I do a John Flanagan episode. <laughs> oh um, so, yeah, that's the career of Chris Kirkland. Um, really respect the guy, to be honest. I think he does a lot of mental health yep. work nowadays. And um, um, just put his name in Spotify. There's loads of pod, like, mental health podcasts he's done. Um and uh, they're all very interesting. Um, and hard not to respect yeah. him as a footballer and as a man, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I'd like to extend my apologies to Chris because I probably have booed you at one point after you uh, got punched in the face at Leeds. But it was harmless, harmless banter, nothing more. Um, no hard feelings, I hope, Chris. I reckon you saw it and you're lying about that whole story. I reckon you were... Uh... <laughs> I reckon you saw him got here and you're like, finish him! Finish him! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll never know now, so I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my version of events. Well, after that accusation, I, uh, I think that's a good time <laughs> to end. Yeah, please. This has been the England One Cat Podcast. Um, Wait. The all-important question. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. The all-important question. Callum. Chris Kirkland. Do you think he was lucky to get his England call up? Do you think he was got the one cap he deserves? Or do you think he was unlucky not to play more times for England? This is what I'm definitely sure about. So I'm going to jump straight in there. I think he was unlucky not to get more. And I'll tell you why. He had, <laughs> he had stints as Liverpool a top four team, their first choice keeper. And if it wasn't for injuries, he probably would have started in net in the 05 Champions League final. He would have been a Champions League winner. He'd have been saving penalties halfway off his, halfway off his line like Jersey Dudek. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I honestly do think if he was able to put in a full season of games at Liverpool, because Benitez did like him at first. Yeah, and it was only because of the injuries, you know, finger breaks, back problems, then there was a groin tear, ankle injury, you know, the lot. So if it wasn't for them, I think he'd have played uh, quite a few more times for England. I really do. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, listen, you know, I, you know, I think we should disagree on this for uh, for views, but I, I agree with you, mate. I mean, he was. Yeah. You don't you don't get in the England squad that many times without. Yeah, you know, being consistently good, you know, and yeah, I think I think his best performances came after his call up, I believe. When when yeah. it went, then went to yeah, Wigan. well, yeah. If if we're saying Wigan was the best part of his career, which probably was, definitely was, then yeah, um, yeah, quite quite surprised he actually didn't get called up after playing for Wigan, playing consistently week in week out for two or three years. Big team bias, mate. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's it. But wrapping up, so I won't, I won't get, I won't delve into that now. But no. Also, the England outfit was just a mess. 
then, wouldn't it? It was. Pay yeah. for McLaren I, and just. We should be really grateful now because people still love to criticise Southgate for some reason, but it's uh, it's definitely the best the England setup and the England team has been in a long, long time. Oh, Southgate, you're the one. You still turn me on. Still turns me on. Right. Can I go now? Can I? Can I? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I forgot anything no, I, I, I couldn't go. No, no, it's good. I'd have hated myself if I missed that. This has been <laughs> the England One Cap podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Like on Instagram, on Facebook. We'll sort out Twitter at some point and TikTok, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter page. I'm getting set up in the next couple of days. Uh, that's a promise. You can all hold me to that. You take it to the um, bank. Yeah. So Twitter page coming. But yeah. Social media, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Get Thank like you very much. Watching. Yeah. It's been in one cap podcast. We'll be with you soon.